0: Dennis, I just want to just thank you for being here today, and would love for you to just introduce yourself to the audience.
1: My name is Dennis Polk. I am a trial lawyer that has practiced law for 41 years and some odd months. During that time frame, I've had the good fortune to have represented by and large people who are construction professionals or related in the construction industry. I've been instrumental in the development of legislation over time to try to address and deal with construction defects and claims affecting construction professionals. I actually try cases and I'm in trial probably 10 to 12 times a year and almost always dealing with construction defects or insurance coverage issues surrounding construction construction claims. I've had the good fortune to work with a number of I was going to tell you,
0: so you're the attorney that when we're watching TV, you're the one that's actually in the courtroom doing all that stuff.
1: I'm on the other side of the TV lawyers.
0: Uh.
1: You know? uh, that's one of my particular, I guess it's like an adverse passion because I think television advertising for lawyers demeans the profession, something I speak out, there are lawyers Lawyers take a bad rap, and have always taken a bad rap. But I think it's the television lawyers and the thing that they bring that kind of cause that negative publicity. Because if you ever talk to real clients in real world situations, they always love their lawyer and they always hate everybody else's lawyer.
0: <laughs> well, I love my lawyer. <laughs> uh, well, and I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, that's
1: so. that's a, a fair <laughs> statement. I've represented everything from the guy who lays concrete to the people that build multi-stories. I've been all over the United States dealing with construction defect issues. I've spent most of my time in the Front Range in Colorado, but I get hired often to go and address, especially insurance coverage issues. Right now, everybody's heard about the famous tower in San Francisco that's disappearing into the earth. Yes. Next week, I'm gonna be out there dealing with that.
0: Oh so, my gosh. So uh,
1: it's a always, a new challenge and a new event every day. uh,
0: Well, and I love to call you the godfather of construction litigation. I mean, the first time I met you, Dennis, uh, you came into a meeting, a board meeting, and you were talking about the construction defect and what was happening and the fight. You were on that fight big time and and the depth of knowledge and understanding about, and, and passion about what you were addressing and how you were... Working to do what was right for our community and the builders and it was really inspiring and I thought This I've got to know more you made something that seems sort of outside of my um, Normal realm seems very but yet. It's very important, but it seemed so Real and close to where I was like I've got to know more about how this is how this is happening
1: Well, let me tell you it all comes about in my mind my My parents were people of humble origin. My dad worked as a general brewery worker at Coors. My mom was a nurse at Ridge Home Regional School. And if it weren't for the gateway of home ownership, they would never have been able to send their kids to school. They never would have been able to accumulate things such that they could have had a meaningful retirement. They took great pride in their home and the importance of acquiring a home as a result of that sort of pathos I guess, part of my being I represent construction professionals and they're constantly under attack and no one ever sets out to build a bad house, a bad condo but we're dealing with an imperfect media and they need good and competent legal advice and so I was driven towards this notion of home ownership and protecting the right to acquire home ownership because Frankly, a lot of the plaintiff's lawyers, they don't think of the consequences of their act because every time they sue a builder, it drives up the housing costs for the next home and the next home and the next home. And no one should ever have to be in a position that simply because a house has a defect or a problem in it, that that owner ends up getting that house plus a Winnebago plus a whole lot of other attributes that aren't really related to the home ownership. So it is from that kind of passion that I looked at it. If my dad had not had the availability of the Veterans Administration benefits, he couldn't afford it to buy a home. Right. My parents could not have bought a home in today's market. And the costs and housing. That said, our housing, and I've had good fortune to look at housing issues all over the world. Very rarely does somebody ever have the opportunity to actually own a home, and it is the gateway to almost all success in our country. So that sort of drives my passion and feelings for, Construction professionals, and they're good people, and they work hard.
0: See, and it's interesting that how I can just hear the passion, and it's fun to understand more about what drives your initial. I was uh, one of the things I wanted to get to at some point was where where does your motivation come from? Where does that? So you you kind of led right into it, and even in the end of what you just shared, ultimately it comes down to your care for the people, and I think that's where this whole podcast and vlog is is geared towards is really just getting to the base of social capital being the value and the power of our network and the relationships that we build really being the foundation of our success and sometimes the catalyst and some, sometimes the result. I mean really the relationship piece of it can kind of be in all pieces of our success in all areas of our life and how you've just even brought the whole thing full circle that you do what you do every day because of the people that are represented on the other side. That's amazing.
1: I really regard most human endeavors, the thing that we have forgotten is they're relationship driven, relationship based. I'm a harsh critic of internet and voicemail (laughs) and things like that.
0: I was going to ask you a little bit more about that too.
1: (laughs) Because it eliminates the ability to talk and I find that If you talk to people, you can solve problems, because everything I do is about problem solving. The key to problem solving, fundamentally, is the relationships that you've created. I've spent 40 years developing relationships. Instead of sending a blistering email to somebody, I'll pick up the phone and I'll say, Fred, you and I have had many cases over the year. Why do you have a bee in your bonnet about this one? Let's talk about what the real problem is. Can I come buy you a cup of coffee? Can we talk through it? And it's that capital that you talked about that has developed over years. And if I can't pick up the phone or go and see somebody and talk to them, shame on me, because that's something that I've done wrong. Because if I can't walk away from even something as adverse and as hostile as a lawsuit, where I'm passionate about the representation of my clients, but when that day is done, I got to be able to have dinner with that guy who's on the other side of it, or that young woman who maybe it's her first trial and she's having a she's having to fight the growly bear that's on the other side. And so I need to be able to develop because that person, although they're adverse today, they may be my next friend tomorrow. And everything everything is based upon establishing that kind of speaking relationship. That said, I don't think there's anybody in the Denver community that would ever say I'm a pushover or I'm easy. <laughs> uh, because that's just not the way things are.
0: No, I wouldn't imagine so.
1: But when I step back, and you know I do have a life outside of being a lawyer, and I look at that and I say, is this the way I would want someone to, to speak to my son or my daughter-in-law or somebody like that? And if I'm not doing that in the same way I'd expect it, then I've done something wrong. So I step back. Because everything is developing, you know that collateral, that value in that relationship. Because the tables are always turned, and you need to remember that someday you may need a favor. I have this theory of friendship.
0: I just have to tell you, you're dropping wisdom like it's change right now. I hope that people are picking up on the wisdom and the things that are coming here. There's so many. Just in the, the one thing that you've just talked about, there's so many pieces that are so key. It was the, the point about it's in every piece of those moments of engaging with those people, you're thinking about how this impacts and comes full circle and how you're treating. So it's, it's in all of these small individual moments, and yet it's also in this huge big picture of what ultimately is going to come or how this might be if it was your family member in this situation. And I think those are such key pieces in building social capital that as people are listening to the show or watching the show and they're saying like, how do I increase my influence? This is someone who has such incredible influence in this community and in this industry, even in the nation. And to him, these things have are so innate in how he behaves that he is talking to them ready to move on to the next subject without hardly blinking an eye, which I so appreciate about about you. but. It's such key pieces of what it takes to build influence and to have the kind of credibility that you can live a life that is professionally successful, personally successful, that there's such a calmness and a balance when you're in his presence. There's no real waves to... Um, his energy and I think there's just so much to your your consistency and your steadfastness and how you view your interactions with people that you've done it for so long but I think those of us who are kind of still looking at how do we build our own social capital and how do we increase our net worth by the people and the relationships that we can build I think you have just put so much insight into that just with those comments there so okay continue
1: well. You know, there are a couple of things that I think of in trying to think about this new notion of social capital. For me it's just a way of doing things, but right. it makes sense. Sort of principle number one is, remember, integrity only comes in one size. You should That's never subordinate one. your own integrity for any of these type of purposes. Second of all, I have this theory of friendship, and uh, you've been able to hear that before. I envision all of the world as a circle and once you're inside that circle of being my friend, you are always there as my friend. Your problem is you can't get out of the circle once you're in it. And how you test that circle is, is this somebody if I went into a bar and they were there and they mouthed off and they made everybody else in the barman and there was going to be a fight, I would stand there with them back to back. As long as somebody else was out there picking up. Now, when you <laughs> stepped outside, we may have a discussion about why I think they did something that wasn't right or wrong or was stupid, Right. but once you're inside that circle of friendship, you are always my friend. And that applies to people that I meet, their adverse parties, my clients, the opposing side, is that once you are there, you have reached and made a contact with the human being. And once that contact happens, it is always a part of the impression that creates the fabric of your life or it's part of the branch of that tree and every one of those experiences is something you need to look at sort of the third principle that follows with all of that is never be so bold or arrogant that you can't admit when you're wrong and that is something that is very very hard to do because we're for type A personalities, and everybody who succeeds is a type A personality, (laughs) that you never back down. And sometimes, you know, you really need to accept that you were wrong. If you have done something that's outside of the circle or that breached the first rule of integrity, stop, call the other side up, go over and look at them, say, hey, we need to hit the pause button, we need to start this discussion in our relationship all over. And those are kind of the ways that I've looked at it and to the extent that I've had success in being able to communicate with people, it fits within those three categories.
0: Those are three very strong principles to live by uh, that I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm so appreciative of your time because I think you're just shedding light on these topics in a way that makes them very clear. Um, And it is, I think sometimes people feel like relationship building is a struggle or can be really tough. And I think the tips that you're giving can be very helpful in just starting to be more aware of how to build some of those. Do you have, if there was um, you know, say a couple of main ingredients that you would say are part of building your social capital, what would you say those are?
1: Let's put it and break it down in two parts. There's always the business professional relationship issue and that stems from your reputation because that's what you have. But I'd like to think of something more about how you extend it, how you do it. Always be the first person to volunteer to perform a public service. Whether that means you're out in the neighborhood or whether you're gonna be the person that's gonna be a Girl Scout leader, a Cub Scout leader, somebody that goes to that public school, that private school, whatever it is, always be the first person to extend your time and make yourself available for some form of public service second thing is become involved, whether it's in your profession. For example, in my law office, it is an obligation of every young lawyer that's in that firm that they do the following things. They have to become a member of the Bar Association and they have to participate in their activities. They have to participate and handle at least one pro bono case for somebody who's in need a year. That is an obligation of... And give back. Their, and give back. and. Also, that they have to become involved in some civic-related activity, whether it's coaching the little league team, coaching the uh, school mock court, something like that, because those are how you build external relationships. The next sort of principle that I say is you have to have a life beyond your profession. It enriches you, it makes things better, gives you different perspectives, Because if all you do is interact with lawyers all day, you're gonna be a grumpy guy at five o'clock. Right. So you need to have other people, other things in your life and other social activities.
0: That sort of brings balance or wholeness to the individual.
1: I mean, ultimately the Greeks were right. It's nothing in excess and everything in moderation. And uh, so I kind of adopt those sort of principles. I had the good fortune of having a partner who was, the last of the good old boys. His name was George Holly. He was the first lawyer that in Colorado exclusively devoted his practice to the representation of people who were what we call construction professionals today. He would have called developers and builders in the old days. And he had all kinds of rules and predicates to live by. And it profoundly affected a lot of what it did because, you know, it, he pushed us, made us try cases, made you fearless because it was far easier to go to court, win or lose, than to come back and tell him that you settled the case or you did something you shouldn't have done. <laughs> uh, and he had all kinds of rules. One of the rules, and I think this guides in life, is always provide deference to those who are your elders. They have wisdom that only years grants. They may have forgotten things, but they are owed the courtesy and the demonstrable effort on your part to acknowledge where they are.
0: Absolutely.
1: The other thing that he would say is always go to the other guy's office.
0: Oh, that's because, a good one.
1: Because that will show that you're not just being high handed. now you may, you, know, you may not agree or it may be other reasons and it conflicts sometimes will show the older person deference because if you're the older lawyer you want people to come to you. <laughs> um, but it's always go to the other guy's level. Interesting. And It's easier for them to be comfortable if they're sitting behind their little metal desk rather than in front of your big wood desk to reach a comfort level.
0: That's that's great insight.
1: And then the other thing is, if you're gonna talk to a construction guy and you wanna see what's going on, go onto a construction site, see what it's really like. Yeah. Get a feel for it, step out there. You know, get a little dirt under your fingernails.
0: Right, and, have, and all of those kind of lean towards that piece of being genuine and caring about the other person, having some genuine interest in making that a win-win for both sides.
1: Sure, and I think one of the most uh, remarkable talents, there's a, I won't tell you, he's the the president of the Holding Corporation, one of the largest builders in the country that's based here in Denver. He has an incredible face name recognition ability. I think it's really important that you learn and develop the skill of being able to, whether it's by a mnemonic or something else, try to remember people's names.
0: It's the most important word to them, right? Right. It's like the only thing they love to hear above all else.
1: And if you don't remember anything else, do that. Some people collect business cards and they do associational things, but I just think in terms of the social capital, it's important, and it's important also once in a while if you haven't heard from somebody, just pick up the phone, drop them a note. I tell you what, nothing is so impressive to me as when I get a quick note or a quick thank you, yeah, handwritten in the United States mail, uh, so it doesn't get caught in my spam filter or I don't bleed, uh, breeze by it and delete it. I get 450 or 500 emails a day. Oh
0: my gosh! And uh, that's but, too many. But you only but get only maybe a few handwritten, handwritten notes.
1: notes or cards, and I always remember. It. I was thinking about a number of things, and one of the things I would suggest a couple things. If I could go back and turn the clock back 40 years from when I started, what are some of the things I would do differently? One thing I would do is you could go to my high school transcript, and I have two semesters of A in typing. It was taught by the wrestling coach. I was there <laughs> the first day, and I was there the last day. I can't type a look. As you get older, muscle memory doesn't work. It's a long way of saying one should learn to use technology as a tool. It shouldn't master your life, but you should learn it as a tool because the only enemy I really have in the world is time. And technology aids with time and helps you with time and time management. I would learn to be more effective by using other instruments and other tools to create more time for me both professionally and in my private life. Instead of working 12 or 14 hours a day, maybe work eight hours a day smart. Hey. And, and technology and mastering certain technologies allows you to do that. That's true. And and that goes back to my story, uh, you should learn the type. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just sort of teasing because now it is learning the use of technology. I still dictate, have a secretary transcribe it. It's probably grossly efficient, inefficient, but it is also a wonderful tool. And I think people should learn to dictate things. Oh. And whether it's DragonSpeak or some other tool like that, they should do it because the mechanics and the mental process of typing things on a screen to your brain and then back out are completely different where dictation is like learning to speak extemporaneously and being able to talk and being able to communicate because ultimately speech is the true gold of our social progress if right. not our social currency. And
0: Absolutely. being able to
1: do that because the logic of thinking, my speech pathologist wife says it's a different course and path to the brain from typing to speaking. And if you ever sit and listen and eavesdrop in a conversation people, you are astounded how stupid some of the things people say. And <laughs> right? if they were learning to dictate it or learning to talk, they wouldn't be doing that. So I tell people learn to dictate. It also saves an enormous amount of time.
0: I've Even actually school, heard that when they talk about people wanting to author a book. Because um, I've been looking at, like, oh, that might be kind of fun. And they say that you should write your book, at just speak it out, and then have it transcribed. And you can edit the, transcri- the transcript. Uh, to put the book, and that's how they suggest you do it.
1: Well, John Grisham, who amongst lawyers is is like this demigod, who uh, <laughs> because he has made a fortune publishing, you know, he dictates his first summaries and then goes to work, or at least that's what the, the speeches that I've heard. Interesting.
0: About.
1: And see, I think it's a skill that you need to do, and with the technology, you can do it. I think how much faster you can answer an email or a text if yeah. you just hit that microphone. Right. It's and, true. And talk your way through it. It's also doing the same.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it gets a little out there on that uh, auto correct, you know. Sometimes you got to make sure you proofread it. If you do it, but it is much faster. You're right than sitting there trying to type with one finger, everything or a thumb, whatever. You're less likely to to run
1: into the car in front of you when you're doing it.
0: That's true. That's Uh, true. Hopefully the car stopped. Your car stopped. Yeah, of course. That's how it is. You know,
1: and then the other thing is, you need to make time for yourself.
0: Oh, this uh, is a and good one.
1: I, this is do as I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> because if you don't recharge your batteries, you know, uh, those days become longer. Right. You start looking at five o'clock as opposed to wondering where the day went and all the accomplishments that you get done. So absolutely. If, if I were to talk to a younger version of myself, I would take time off. And I would also, and the reason it's important is I went straight from college. I finished college in three years. I worked in the governor's office, started law school that fall, finished law school in two years and went immediately to work. Somewhere along those lines I should have taken some time off and traveled the world. I'm not a tree hugger or anything like that, but I think that you owe a duty to yourself to kind of get at peace with nature once in a while. And when your head isn't clear, you know, go sit on lookout mountain, look out over the city. Take a half an hour. Sometimes I do that during the day when you can't get a hold of me, I will have gone somewhere where there's just nothing but nature and myself to think about.
0: You know, that's great wisdom because I think you're right. It's just that being quiet and giving yourself just mental space to just be. I I find that too. It's like sometimes it's just hustle, hustle, hustle. But I feel like they're in the opportunity of building relationships. It requires a lot of giving. A lot of giving of yourself to the other person in that relationship. And if we don't take a few moments to recharge, sometimes that's where you start to feel, like you said, like watching for the five o'clock hour because it's like, I don't have anything else to give. Like, why is everyone taking from me? And all of a sudden it goes from this place of feeling like you're offering freely of yourself to feeling like everyone's just taking and ripping from you what's left, you know?
1: yeah, otherwise it's like watching the Rockies self disintegrate. Uh,
0: yeah, watching the Rockies do anything for me, I mean, I'm I'm happy and goes, go Rockies, but I don't, I tend to go to those games and never watch a single thing.
1: <laughs> but, but that's a social event in Denver. It is. It's not about the baseball.
0: Not, not usually, but you know, for some people it definitely is, and go Rockies. Um, but no, I, I really appreciate all the wisdom, and I, I look forward to the show notes because there's so much here. Uh, please make sure you check the show notes to get the, the wisdom that has been uh, revealed here for us. And is there anything, Dennis, that you're doing right now that you're feeling really passionate about or it's an adventure that you're taking and embarking personally or professionally?
1: Let's break that down in two categories.
0: Okay, Profes- I love this two category thing.
1: Professionally, I'm about to engage in a series of major fistfights with the no-growth people who are grounded and determined to bring us back to the Stone Age and it starts with Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, everybody there has seemed to have forgotten that people are here and they still need a place to live. And I think that they have placed their needs above the greater societal value. And so right now that's my current legal passion. Uh, socially, uh, I am uh, going to take an adventure. I have uh, some grandkids, and my wife and I are going to take all four grandkids for a week on an expedition.
0: Oh, and where
1: I, are you going? I, 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 we're going to start here in Colorado. All and right. So that's just, for me, that's a, a first because I don't know whether I have the patience to deal with it. <laughs> uh, uh, then, then I'm uh, trying to complete a book that I've been writing with, my part of it's done with a Guy who's a professor at the University of Michigan Center for Social Science Research, okay. and it is a, it's an analytical piece about the both economic and social costs of civil litigation. And wow. you know he's been doing his because he's a professor, so uh, you know you can spend a month arguing with him whether something should be a comma or a semicolon. <laughs> and it is my hope to have that finished by the end of the year.
0: Wow, well we will add that in the show notes as well as soon as that has uh, come to completion and is released. Congratulations. That would be fun. Um, And is there any final words of advice or thoughts or any key um, sort of things that you would give or share with our audience as, as your last kind of
1: word? If I were talking to people who are construction professionals, it's like the old Dan Reeves commercial, you know, pay me now or pay me later whether it's somebody like myself, don't try to do it yourself. This is the one area where competent lawyers can really protect you. If you spend the money on the front end, and it really isn't that expensive. You will avoid all kinds of uh, pain and agony later on, even if it's as simple as having somebody review your insurance policies, somebody looking at your construction contracts. It is really, really important today in our litigious society that you be pre-armed, because the best planning you can do is to plan for the worst and then never have it happen. Right. So if I could encourage the audience to not try to be a uh, perform your own appendectomy, <laughs> you may have saved five or six hundred bucks, but in the end. The difference in even your insurance policies and having to spend quality time with me right. or someone like me is a lot more painful than if you just solve the problem from it.
0: Well, that's great advice. And Dennis, thank you again for being here. Uh, I'm so appreciative of your friendship in the industry, and I just look forward to uh, more people having the opportunity to get to know more about Dennis and how relationships can really drive our success in life. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.